Johnny, I'm glad you shared that because I was going to talk about your book. We're going to do like a release party here. We'll have copies to, for him to sign. It's really, really good. Like sometimes you, you have friends that write books and you're like, oh, buddy, good try. This is really, really a good book. Like I'm, we're going to do some, I mean, it's, it's really, really good. Very impressed with him. So do any of y'all have friends around the nation that are like, we just had a fire pit. Have you heard that? It's 70 degrees here. Show offs. So I had my mentor from seminary, Scott Thomas. He's in Nashville. And he said uh, Thursday night, first fire pit of the season. And I texted him back. I said, it's been fire in Texas for five months, bro. We have fire. So, but supposedly we're getting a cold front this week. Amen. 86 degrees. Have y'all seen that? So we're, we're super excited about that. Um, praise the Lord. So uh, yeah, amen. Amen. In Jesus name, maybe by October, the kids won't, won't lose weight when they're walking around in their costumes. So Acts 16 today, 16 through 40 is where we're going to be. Catch you guys up a little bit last week. Now, those of you, we, we define churches as those who were raised in the church since you were born. How many of y'all are churches? Raise your hand. Just be honest about it. Yeah, we were. Um, we're a little jaded when it comes to Bible stories because we've heard them so much. But has any of y'all picked up that there's two families in Acts that the whole family comes to Christ? And I just want to say up front that this is one of the verses I ascribe to also in Joshua, when Joshua says this, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. Now there's a personal responsibility in your children's heart and lives to come to Christ. Okay. But let me tell you something as a daddy, as, as somebody who loves his daughters, the only thing I pray for, the only thing, honestly, I really want, you can ask Selena, is that my daughters would know Jesus and walk with him. And that they would marry men that love Jesus. That's all I pray for. Because it's about the next generation. And if that happens, if that happens, then everything else falls into line. All right? So, uh, by the grace of God, as we see today, some pretty hard events and also a crazy story. Like, this is the Philippian jailer story. Spoiler alert. Those of y'all that are new to the church, it it ends up pretty cool. But this is a jail story today. Uh, We see how God calls Paul and Silas to obey him in some hard things. And what we believe in America today, that when we obey God, all the good things will happen. And eternally, that's true. But it doesn't mean right now. We have to get out of that mindset. Honestly, we're the only country in the world that ascribes to that false narrative of the gospel. So does God want good things to happen to his people? Yeah, we're all evidence of that. But here's the big idea today. Bad things happen to good people all the time. Amen? Bad, bad things. Like I got a call or two this week that I'm just thinking, oh, so painful to hear about that that family's child or their situation or like bad things happen to good people all the time. Therefore, hard things will and do happen to Christians and the world is watching. So here's what we know to be true. You will never keep anybody from being saved. You're not that powerful. You will never also save anyone God will do that work and he will save all his elect 
He will save all his called and all his chosen. He will bring every last sheep into the fold that are his. The question is, do we want to be a part of it? Like when my daughters are having a conversation, and now my youngest is almost 13, so they're not little kids before. And I will tell y'all, those of y'all that have little kids, it gets so much better. And some of y'all are like, it ain't that good right now. What are you talking about? Like, it, it, listen, it's a joy. Do the work right now. Your kids don't need you to be their best friend. They need you to be their parent. They need you to be the discipler of their souls. They need you to teach them how to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and thank you, and please, all those things. If you do the hard work now, man, I tell you, there's some good things coming for you. So when my daughters are having a conversation in and of themselves, and I walk into the room, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of their conversation. Why? Because I love them, and I want to be around them, and I want to be with them. In hard times, church, this is who we're called to be to one another. We're called to be there. We're called to ask questions. We're called to be there and to, and to cry with one another when we cry and to find joy when we find joy. I got to meet a couple of our new babies this morning. Joyful. Yes. This past year, I've also got to hug people who have, who have lost family members. Sad. Painful. In all these things, as good things happen, let's be there for one another. As hard things happen, let's also be there for one another. Why? Because the world is watching. And you and I have this phenomenal opportunity to be a part of God's provision for others. If you, don't, if you choose not to, God's going to go right around you and accomplish his will. Why not be a part of it? And this is what we see Paul and Silas do today. They obey God and some hard things happen, and then some great things happen, and then harder things are on the horizon. Let's pray. Acts 16, verse 16 through 40 is where we shall be online. Uh, we see you guys, Edinburgh. We love you, those that are at home right now. Uh, our viewership is growing. We love you. We thank God for you. May the Lord just teach you today from his word. Let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, thanks for your presence. Thanks for your power. Thanks, Lord, uh, we are responsible to you for our actions. And your word is very clear that when we don't speak up, speak out, when we don't tell the truth, we are in sin and you will hold us accountable for that. We do know that. We also know from scripture that we don't, we can't stand in the way of your salvation. Lord, but the, the flip side of that is we, we, we can be a part of it as we submit, as we obey, as we listen to you. So that would be our prayer today that we would hear you speak, Almighty God. Um, open our, our hearts and minds that we might see you. In your name we pray, amen. It's really just a fantastic story I'm gonna tell you today. I love stories. I absolutely love stories. I love your stories. The only moment of anxiety I've ever had at Mission Church was the first Sunday uh, I preached, and I realized the night before, like at 1 a.m., right before I was falling asleep, I don't know anybody's story here. And I, I stayed up all night thinking about having anxiety of not knowing. But man, let me tell you something. Going on six years now, I know a lot of your stories. <laughs> and we're together. And in, in what we have in common is our need for a savior. Okay? What we have in common also is phenomenal gifts and capacities in this room to really be used by God to affect change. It's going to happen anyway. 
So why not? Why shouldn't we be a part of it? All right, that's how I see it. Verse 16, they're on their way to prayer. If you remember last week, in Philippi, there's not enough believing men to form a synagogue or church of that day. So they went down to where the ladies were washing clothes, found a few believers, shared the gospel with them. And a woman named Lydia, who was from the area in modern-day Turkey, called Lydia Theatira, came to Christ. Like She had been worshiping God. And so when Paul and Silas, who were faithful, Dr. Tim, Dr. Luke is with them too, shares who Jesus is, Lydia is like, oh my gosh, this is, it just connects for me. Jesus is the Christ. And she becomes a believer and she says to them, listen, if you believe I'm a real believer, then just count my home as your home. And she was a wealthy woman and just come set up shop and y'all just have your, your HQ at my house. And that's what happens. And we're going to see the number of this church plant be added to. So, so far in our leadership of the church plant, who do we have? A woman whose husband probably was not a believer yet, or maybe she was a widow, we don't know, but a, a woman by herself. And today we're going to add to that church leadership. Once as they were on their way to prayer, a slave girl met us. This is uh, Dr. Luke writing the story, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, no demon can tell the future. Let's be clear about that. No demonic power has. So horoscopes, that's all garbage, all right? Uh, your future, uh, tea leaves, reading your palm, that is all trash, all right? So none of y'all don't pay for it. You're not called to as Christians anyway. We're not called to know tomorrow. We're called to know today. We're called to trust Christ. The only one that knows the future is Almighty God, all right? De demons don't know the future. What they do know is they understand, like a hunters do, trajectory and pattern. So in those of you that hunt deer, and if you if you hunt deer this fall and you have enough of it, please bring it to me because I love deer meat. It's delicious. But when you hunt deer, you understand, you don't know where they're going to go, but you kind of can guess where they're going to go based on circumstance and history, right? Demons know what we're going to do based on guess. They also know kind of what we're going to do maybe based on our patterns and our norms. So this is how this type of garbage would, 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 would be done. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. What were her owners? What would, in modern day, would we call them? Freaking pimps is what they are. Verse 17, as she followed Paul and us, Luke, uh, Silas, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. The next Part of 18 is rather revealing. Um, Paul was greatly annoyed. Anybody understand annoyance? Husbands, look directly at me. Don't look to the left or the right right now. Don't do that. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. So who or what was Paul annoyed with? The demon. He wasn't annoyed at the young lady. Let's not get that wrong in context. She was being prostituted. She was being trafficked, all right? And if you're like me, and look, we come from, 
We did ministry for years and years, our family did in the Valley. Uh, Hidalgo County is number one county in the United States for sex trafficking, more than, more than LA, more than Nassau, more than uh, Miami-Dade. Like it's so much, we had so much of it in our church. The saturation, it, it would make you sick and angry. I don't remember one time ever being upset at one of the ladies or young men that were trafficked. But man, I was ready to murder somebody for how I saw them get treated. Paul right here is annoyed and angry and incensed and righteously so at the demon that was controlling her and the men that were prostituting her. All right. So probably more than likely he had been thinking about that for a couple days. And Paul was a man just like you and I are called to be not more like, Lord, watch what I'm going to do instead of not my will, but your will be done. What are you calling me to do now, Lord, next hour? What are you calling me to do now, Lord? That is always the safest bet. Rather you being the uh, holy crusader and just going for it and making sure God comes behind you. He's not your servant. You are his created. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turn to the spirit and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Not his name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of her and it came out right away. Verse 19, when her pimps realized that their hope of profit was gone. When her pimps realized that no longer could they use this young woman for their own good. They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now remember at this time, Philippi is pretty much a cutting edge city, but it is filled with demonic worship. It is filled with crazy sexual lifestyles. It is filled with people running after money and food and all the things that we want that we think will satisfy us. These men are seriously disturbing our city. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're trying to bring a real spirit of peace. They're trying to set captives free. They're trying to give people a hope for their future. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. That was a lie. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes down to the underwear and ordered them to be beaten with rods. There were these long, almost like, um, you saw the British Empire use these a lot, like four or five foot sticks that would bend a little bit. So when you hit somebody, kind of wrapped around and came off them. Uh, they beat them with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordered the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. If you've ever been to any of the new colony places on the East Coast, around Delaware, D.C., or Williamsburg, you can see what our country used as early stocks. And if somebody did things that were not in accordance with the law, they would put their feet, like both feet up, and it would be an awkward piece of wood that you had to put your rump on and you'd put your hands also and they would put you in stocks and people could come by and make fun of you. Now, these stocks may have just been manacles or chains, but literally they're in the center of the prison, the worst place, the smelliest place, the darkest place, and they're locked down. Paul and Silas, so demonic slave girl tells the truth. Why does she tell the truth, by the way? Why does she tell the truth? Because she can't help it. You know why? Look, demons will lie. People that don't know God will lie. You'll lie. I'll lie. We'll struggle. But at the end of the day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord.
And this woman bound up was probably a desire in her. Like, let me tell you, I've met a lot of traffic people. Not one of them say they enjoyed it. Not one. Not one. I've met a lot of people that have been enslaved. Not one of them said this is a good relationship. That's a lie from the pit of hell. All right? So she is crying out and telling the truth because God the Father is calling her to because he is in complete sovereign control. And Paul is probably praying for a couple days. What do you want me to do? And the Lord's like, not yet. Remember, because we learned from last week that sometimes God says, speak. And sometimes God says, what? Be quiet. And a lot of us are like, no, Lord, you don't understand. I'm bringing the noise. And God's like, you're in sin. I told you to be quiet. Sometimes we speak. Sometimes we're quiet. It was one of those times. Then Paul speaks. The demon comes out. Now, the spirit in her was called the spirit of Python, which is obviously where we get the word for the snake, um, constricting something that's squeezing the life out of you slowly. The name that God, that the servant girl calls God is El Elyon, which is the most high God, the, the God above all gods. This is a culture of pluralism where they had a thousand gods. And they believed that all of them had separate little powers. Some of us come from pluralistic religions. We understand this. Americans are like, we don't. Yeah, you do. We just have different gods in our culture. We have the God of righteousness in our culture, which means you're the one that's right and everybody needs to listen to you. We have the God of sex. Obviously, that one's self-explanatory. Porn industry drives internet speed. Did you know that? The reason why our internet is so fast today is because of the drive and desire for for internet porn. All right? We have the God of children today. How do you know when your children are your gods? When your desire is to use them to platform yourself or your desire is to do whatever they want to do so they will like you. That's a God. God of money, God of food, all the, we have all, we're we're a land of pluralistic gods here too. So El Elyon is saying, listen, you guys think there's many gods? If that's what you think, okay, fine. The God we serve is the one above every God. And that's the name she was using. False charges on Paul and Silas. So think about this. Paul and Silas do what we're called to do, which is obey, right? So God calls me and you to obey. And what we think today in America is that if we obey, then we're probably going to have a great dinner that night. Trinity is going to give us a pat on the back and everything's good because in America, when you obey God, you get rewarded by God and eternity. That's true. Okay. But it doesn't mean today. Sometimes in the future, God is going to call you to obey him and you may lose everything. Sometimes God's going to call you to go to a place and do mission work and maybe you're going to be endangered. One of the friends I went to high school with was in a Turkish jail for almost two years, Andrew Brunson, for just being a pastor of 24 people. He had been a pastor for 20 years. He was just doing what God had called him to do, and one day he's in jail. Sometimes it costs you. Paul and Silas obeyed the Lord, and they got thrown in jail and beaten within an inch of their life, and then manacled and put in the middle of a prison, how would you respond? Let's find out how they respond, because that's what matters. Verse 25. 
<laughs> Such a crazy story. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I've been to prison ministry a few times. I just went several weeks ago with Travis and his crew. When I got there, surrounded by some really hardened, tough guys, it was not in me to sing a hymn. In fact, I would, I would, I would dare say if me and you were arrested and we're in jail with a bunch of hardened criminals around us and I'm like, hey, let's sing a hymn. Your response may be, hey, let's not. That would be a better idea. And I just start singing, a mighty fortress is our God. And you would probably say, you're going to die now. <laughs> so see, Paul and Silas, they just, they were bound by something different. They were imprisoned in their hearts by a righteous savior. And so their response is, you know what? Now that we've been put in prison, this is a captive audience. Amen. Any of us that have taught Bible study before, to have people chained down, they're not going anywhere. You got a good crew. So they begin to pray out loud and the prisoners are listening. And they begin to sing out loud and the prisoners are listening. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. What happens next? 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. Now let's think about that for a second. How many California people are in here? You've been in an earthquake before? When you're a little kid, you think it's fun. When you're older, you realize how cataclysmic it may be like it is. It, it, it's like if you've ever been, if you've heard of floods, you understand them in your mind. When you've been a part of a flood, it's completely different. Water is a viable force. So they're singing and an earthquake happens and the jail is, is shaken to its core, its foundation. And it just so happens that all the doors, like doors don't fly open like that. All the doors of every prison cell comes open and all the chains that are on prisoners fall off. Who is doing this? You see, the Lord's plan was already for this to happen. And so the God, not, the God of the ages not only told Paul and Silas, wait, don't speak yet. Now speak. Now you're going to be arrested. Now you're going to be beaten. Now you're going to have chains put on you. Now I want you to sing. And I want you to pray. Now I will set you free. It will be in my timing. And it will be for my glory. And it will be for my purpose. And that's what happens. When the jailer woke up. Saw the doors of the prison standing open. And we're not sure right there if the woke up means like maybe he got knocked out by the earthquake or whatever. Like when he came to and realized that more than likely he was a Roman soldier. Uh, he had made it out of the wars alive. He'd come back to live out his days probably with his family. We're going to see in a minute he has. And he comes to and realizes that the jail cell is open. And if one prisoner escapes, they're going to put him to death for it. And he realizes that all the doors are open. And obviously, when doors are open, people leave if you're a prisoner. He probably pulls out his short sword. Long sword would be too much, but a short sword, it's like a dagger like this far. And he's about to carry himself. 
sticks a sword in and kill himself out of just uh, taking care of himself so his family wouldn't have to walk through all that. Paul calls out in a loud voice. Don't harm yourself because we're all here. Jailer called for lights, for torches, rushed in. And obviously he checked on all the prisoners first and realized that they're all there. Which in that moment, what would cause hardened criminals to physically stay in a place they could not leave? I'm not trying to be religious right now. The only thing I can come up with is their spiritual opportunity presented to them was greater than the physical impairment. There was something that was speaking to their hearts about their need. And in that moment, at least, that opportunity, that potential gift was greater than them fleeing physically. Now, let's be real. Probably they woke up from that quickly. And by that time, what did the jailer do? Well, you guys just stay in there. I guarantee he closed all the doors. Maybe there were some moments of regret. But all, all the prisoners are secured. Jailer calls for light, rushed in and fell down trembling after he checked and locked everybody else down. Fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Now, Roman soldiers were bad men. They were scary men. They were brave men. They had seen everything. Talking about PTSD, these guys were full of it, okay? The Roman army was bloodthirsty. And they were perverts and they were mean and... He's that guy. He's falling down, shaking in front of Paul and Silas, realizing that he should be dead. And the Lord has used these events to do what? Glorify himself. Reveal himself to this jailer. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. These are the words we have for people in our lives that are struggling They don't need five books from you. Books are nice. I mean, I like books. They don't need a blog. They don't need a a healthy, wise crafting of words that you will woo them to the gospel, to your cat-like speed and reflexes. They don't need any of that. They need you to say this. Hey, what you need is you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you allow the Holy Spirit to be God. I think we should say that more. He says there in verse, letter part of 31, you and your household. Now I've had guys that have more degrees than me argue with me. So that doesn't mean that they're all saved. Doesn't mean they weren't all saved. You have to reframe some arguments sometimes. When somebody gives you an argument, you have to switch the argument and say, well then, if I can't convince you that they were, you convince me that they weren't. There's potential here. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, took care of them. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. This is where our Presbyterian brothers and sisters will tell you this is why we baptize babies. I am not going to get into that today, but if you have any questions, you can email me. We can talk about credo, pedo, baptism, credo. We can do all that kind of stuff. It's very thin theologically, okay, is all I will say. Verse 34, he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire 
household, midnight freedom. Paul and Silas respond to God who, based on their obedience, has put them in jail. Based on their obedience, got them beaten. Based on their obedience, got them with shackles on their arms and feet in a deep prison. They've chosen to worship God anyway because hard, bad things happen to good people all the time. The prisoners are set free, but don't leave. The jailer decides to kill himself. His life is saved. His family's life is saved. Now think about this. This all happens after midnight. Most of y'all have been asleep by three or four hours at midnight. Amen? Okay. So at midnight, this, this altercation happens. 1231 is when the jailer locks everybody down and takes Paul and Silas where? To his house and gets everybody up. Y'all wake up. Y'all wake up. Something just happened. You got to hear this story. He feeds them around 132. Everybody gets baptized in the house. And the jailer, I don't know, around 5, 6, 7 a.m. is like, you know I got to take y'all back, right? Takes him back, puts him more than likely back in stocks, back in, because he, he, he's bound by what he's called to do. He's not able to set them free. Verse 35, when daylight came, the chief magistrates sent the police to say, release these men, put them in jail overnight, beat them within an inch of their life. We'll let them go. How nice of us. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. Verse 37, Paul's a different kind of dude. Uh, we need these people in the church today. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly. Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. I mean, dude, Paul is like, you just got released from jail, Paul. Just walk away. How many of us, if we're in jail and they come to tell us, hey, you're free now, I'm not leaving <laughs> until I'm apologized to. I don't care if I was guilty or not guilty. You're, you're allowed to go. Thank you. Paul and Silas stay. Why, why would they stay? There's only one reason here. Preach the gospel, yes. What was another reason? They were bound by something greater than physical impairment. They didn't, they, they had already moved past the place where their life was paramount. They didn't care anymore. They didn't care about their money. Paul had been wealthy. They didn't care about what people thought about them. Paul got beat on a regular basis. They didn't care if they died. Paul already realized uh, to live is, is, is for Christ, but if I die, it's gain. Win, win, bring it. They, they weren't bound by those things anymore. They were anchored fully in Christ. And this is the question we have to ask today. What are the gods right now that are anchoring us in different directions? Is, do we think our money's our own? It can all be taken from you in a second. Some of us have those stories. Do we think our health is our own? Like you, by God's grace, you, you, eat, you eat kale and wheatgrass and you sleep at night and take whatever your vitamins and that's the reason why you're healthy? You're healthy, you've been given a gift. You, you, you live in America, you think you earned that? Were you, were you born 
worthy of being that? Like, no, all this is a gift. And the ownership thing that we have is a facade. So when the church can get to a place where I'm not saying feel guilty about the things you have, I like the things I have too. But this, we've not earned any of this. It's all the Lord, so it's an open-hand deal. So if you're stingy with your money, it's not your money. If you're stingy with your time, it's not your time. You're stingy with your talents. Those, they're not your talents. But Paul said to them, they need to come and apologize to us. First 38. The police reported these words to the magistrates. That's something they had never said before. Hey, uh, sirs, um, the prisoners, we told them that you have so graciously let them free. And their response is no. You must come and apologize to them. Oh, by the way, the Roman citizens, they could bring suit against you. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, so they came to appease them and escorting them from the prison, they urged them to leave town. Verse 40, after leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. The church is planted in Philippi, a very cutting edge, high educational city by a woman and a blue collar soldier. How how is that possible? Well, because the creator does whatever he chooses to do whenever he chooses to do it. And he calls whomever he wants to call. So you, by definition, cannot say, God should call me. I'm pretty awesome. No. You also cannot say, God shouldn't call me. I'm such a sinner. You can't do that either. See, you you don't get, you're not at the table. Your response can only be, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I believe you. You saved me. The, the metaphorical chains have come off. And now you're going to call me to just like everything you give me. I got to continue to make sure that I'm giving it right back. The, the spouse that you give me, I need to make sure that I give her or him right back. The kids that you give me, I cannot worship these kids. I got to make sure I give them right back. The money you give me, I got to make sure it's all available to you. The food, my refrigerator, my things, my dog, like whatever. It is all yours, Lord. Please keep me from holding on to it and demanding that you bless my life. You don't have a life. You're the created have to free ourselves up of these things. Teenage suicide right now is 50% higher than it was two or three years ago. Psychotropics that doctors, by the way, are prescribing. It's up like two or 300% for teenagers and adults. Evidently, they're not working, you know? So when you see a rise in, in pharmacy, pharmaceuticals and a rise in self-deprecation, uh, pain, murder, suicide, whatever you want to call it, when both of those are rising, that's not, that's not the answer. So we have the answer. And it's not as simple as like people just need to turn to God. But that's what it should begin with all the time. And that's the answer that you and I have. Here's some takeaways, and we'll call it a day. The church must not shy away from the truth. I'm just going to keep on saying that until you're tired of hearing it, and I'm tired of preaching it, and we start to do it. We cannot shy away from the truth. And if you say to me quietly in your heart, well, there's a right way and a wrong way to say everything. Yeah, there's also a real wrong way not to say the right thing. 
And that's how most of us do. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt their feelings. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. A lot of us do Bible study a lot. But the second part of doing Bible study and hearing truth is obeying truth. So that needs your conviction in your heart as well as mine. Number two, God glorifies himself and saves his own. You won't get in the way of anybody's salvation. You will be held accountable if you don't speak up. <clears throat> Scripture clears, speaks clearly about that. Okay, you have a sin of commission or something you commit, like tell a lie, rob a bank. You also have a sin of omission, which makes you just as guilty. The things that you're called to do and you're supposed to do and you've been told to do and you don't do. Those make you just as guilty. Somehow we put that second category in the more easy box. Like, well, the Lord knows I want to do it, but I'm just not right now. The Lord knows I'm not giving right now, but I have other things. The Lord knows I would like to spend some time with those people, but I just, I can't. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm nervous. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit does not come easy. It's hard work. It's, it's divesting ourselves of whatever things are that are locking us down and saying, okay, this is going to cost me, man. It's more like we as a church, we're in a safe place. What's it going to take us to get into a dangerous place? I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying most of us are living in a way that we're constantly safeguarding everything we have. And we're wondering why we need more Adderall. And we're wondering why we need more antidepressants or we're wondering why we just eat more food or drink more alcohol or look at more porn or make more money or whatever the, whatever your thing is, you know. Fruit comes by a bang, locking arms with other people, just even working in the youth upstairs yesterday with some of our leaders, some of you awesome people here for our students, just connecting and painting and cleaning and wiping down stuff together. There's power in that. This is why we do community groups, not because some mega church pastor told us we're supposed to. We do it because the church, that's what we are. The discipleship groups, we study scripture together because it's the only thing that will free us. The truth sets us free. Last one, the world is against you if you're for Christ. Hear hear Jesus say this in the book of John. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. All right, that's our older brother. Our Savior, Jesus. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. I mean, think about all the people that we see that are fully woke and fully vested in all the accoutrements of government and Hollywood that get passes for atrocious things. And then other people that don't, okay? If, If you love the world, they'll love you back straight to hell. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. Like you're not, you're not of your own. We've been bought with a price. We're different. But I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. So if you're feeling hated on because you're a Christian, yeah, Jesus promised that. It's not going to get easier in that regard. What's going to get easier is me and you saying, man, eternity is what binds us. Eternity, not temporal, not today. And, uh, and I want you guys to do well in your jobs. I want you to be healthy. 
I want you to accomplish good things. And we set goals with our kids. My wife and I, we do that all the time. It's the, it's the best stuff of life to, to go for it, to get after it. I want you to be the best you've been called to be. You can't let any of that stuff own you, though. <clears throat> Therein lies the danger. So may the, Lord, may the Lord speak to you as only he can. May we hear his word. May we walk in it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We love you. Um, every good thing we have is because of you. Um, we ask that your will be done. We ask that you speak to us now as only you can. Bring us really spirit-filled conviction. That's what we're asking for. We don't need any more guilt, Lord. We're already so, feeling so guilty all the time. Guilt is what really drives us to addictions. Uh, there's a place for guilt. But there's a, there's a stronger value in conviction. And we want to we wanna receive from you, Lord. We want to receive the love and mercy that you've shown us. And we want to we wanna ask forgiveness for being self-righteous. We want to ask forgiveness for worshiping uh, other gods. And we just, we just rebuke those right now. And we ask that you would renew in us a clean heart, a new heart. That you would give us forgiveness of those that have harmed us. Like, Lord, somebody does not have to ask us to forgive them for us to forgive them. They don't need to confess their sin for us to forgive them in your name. So we ask that you would allow us to do that. Uh, your will be done, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, because of some time parameters and also just because of...